Can we talk about cheers? We can always talk about cheers. So this week in my newsletter that goes out to like our customers, mm-hmm. I referenced cheers because right. we're doing this new bookshelf books thing. And the whole point is for people to be able to come in and say, put it on my tab or put it on my account. And, and for everybody to deal norm. Yes. You walk in. And I was thinking that because Sterling came in the other day and we all were like, Sterling. <laughs> and it was like norm. Um, I believe actually Emily McKenna said, oh my gosh, it's just like cheers in here. And I was like, goals, <laughs> yes. done. But Hashtag goals. separately, someone, and I don't remember who it was, someone referenced me being Sam Malone the other day. Oh. It made me so happy. I mean, you did give up that career in professional baseball to open this bookstore. And I'm that recovering alcoholic. Yeah, so. I mean, you have all these commonalities with Sam Malone. I'm a sex addict. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. I've, I've often heard that about you. Um, but I love Sam Malone. I don't yeah, know sure. why. I mean, he's flawed, but I but love But an interesting him. character and, and good at his job. He's good at his job and he's handsome and he's a good manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and that made me so happy. Especially when Kirstie Alley comes in and he's just like, now I got to teach somebody, but also she's my boss. Yeah. But also she's not, but yeah. also she is. Oh, I just loved it. I mean, he, women were his weakness. Like yeah. Samson in that way. Yes. Sam. Sam. Son. Malone. Oh my gosh. Or like the son of Sam. Oh, that took a turn. It always takes a turn. <laughs> Welcome to episode 130 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and I'm ready for fall already. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. We got a new thing happening. Uh, True confessions, we have a lot of new things happening. (laughs) And I apologize for that. Except to me, September is like the start of a new year in my head and it feels like a good time to implement things school year is the real year yeah but then yesterday yeah inside bookshelf baseball but part of the reason i changed the location of our staff meeting was i was like i gotta show them things like there's there's lots of new things and we've got new staffers and i am sorry it's a lot going on but they're good new things they are good new things so we've got some uh, podcast format changes happening in a few weeks. Don't stress out. It's all going to be great. It's all going to be good. It's all going to be great. We're very excited. And you will be too. Um, after the initial... <laughs> <laughs> this is new and I don't like it. Right, exactly. Um, but then you're going to love it. Um, and we've got shelf subscriptions, which we'll talk about Yes. We're going to do a whole. Week, I was about I to say, we're going to do a whole episode about shelf subscriptions. So if you've been on the fence, that episode should kind of help you figure out what this is, if you should participate, and if you do, which staffer you should pick. Yeah. Um, but then one of the easier and more exciting options is bookshelf bucks. Yes, which truthfully started this kind of thinking most of our local uh, customers would really want to buy in. Um, but turns out all of the people I think who listen to this podcast and who follow us on Instagram, they want to do it too. And they live in other places. Yeah. And so we have figured out a way to do bookshelf bucks for our online customers too. So if you're listening to this and you are not local, bookshelf bucks are for you. Um, so what are they? Yeah. So there was an article in the New Yorker a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and a customer sent it to me basically about some indie bookstores who kind of model their business after CSAs, okay. community supported agriculture. So um, basically customers would come in and put money on their account 
and then they're going to be able to just come in and buy books on their account instead uh -huh. of constantly having to swipe their credit card. If you place a phone order, you can just take money off your account instead of having to give us your credit card right. number over the phone. If you're an online customer, you basically pay either $100, $200, or $500 in bookshelf bucks. And then when you do your ordering online, you'll fill out an order form and we'll just complete your order and take it out of your account. So you don't have to check, do the checkout Perfect. through the website. So it's supposed to be easy for the customer. Mm -hmm. And it's also truthfully supposed to help us kind of get through some slower months in the year. So right. January and February and July, August are our slowest times. Mm -hmm. So this is just a way to get people to come in, do what they're already going to do, which is hopefully buy books from us, um, but do it in an easy uh, way. And you get a free tote bag. You get a free tote bag. Tote bag. <laughs> tote bad. <laughs> tote good. Um, but it's also like giving a gift certificate to yourself. Yes, because there's no catch. Like that's why we were hesitant to call it like a membership right. or something like that. It's literally just your money. It's you spending it however you want. You get 5% off every purchase you mm -hmm. make. And um, we're going to have a local night where we stay open late and you get 20% off. And then online, we're going to do the same thing where we have Perfect. a day where you can make your purchases and get 20% off. So it's discounts, but it's your money spent on you. So it's, yeah, it's a gift certificate. It's, it's great. It's I'm great. super excited. It's a, it's a very good idea. I hope so. Very uh, easy. And we've been doing it. For a couple We've been of doing customers, it for a long time. I was about to say yeah. there are some customers who just have always done this, and I think maybe probably three or four years ago, Annie was nervous to implement anything like this because the thought of kind of keeping track mm -hmm. and what if people I don't know I don't know what if people somehow mess with the system or something, but I've been doing this for a little while now and I know how this can work. Yeah. And, and we know our system can handle it. Yes, we know yeah. our system better now, and so I feel really confident. I think it's just a fun new thing to kind of start. So enrollment for that starts August 1st. August 1st, Some okay. of our online customers have already done it. So, right. But basically when this episode goes live, you can click on our website and go to the Bookshelf Bucks section and find out all about the program and how easy it is. And it's so fun. I think it's so fun to be able to say, oh, just put that on my account. Put it on my tab. Put it on my tab. It's just like Cheers. Uh, it's just like Cheers. And what is Jordan and I are always saying, put it on my tab. Like that's some, oh, it's from... Um, from either The Office or Crazy Stupid Love, put it on my tab. Michael Scott says it, I think. I don't remember. Well, anyway, we I say it in my house. an entire compilation of every That's What She Said joke from The Office the other day. Was it good? It was very good. Oh, my gosh. Whenever I meet people, we had I had dinner with a couple the other night, and they started referencing The Office constantly, just like Jordan and I do, and I thought, oh, good. There's somebody else out there who like their whole life is office quotes because that's it's pretty good. That's me and Jordan. <laughs> so yeah, bookshelf bucks. What'd you read this month? I, I read really good things this mm -hmm. month and I think toward the end of this month, that's why I have had a hard time uh -huh. because I read, I think all really quality, interesting, good books. And now I'm a little bit at a loss as mm -hmm. to what to read next. And a lot of people, I think, have ideas for what I should read next. And I know, like, I do too, because that's my job. And I <laughs> think I know what I want to read next. But I'm having difficulty because what I've read, what I read in July was so good. Mm -hmm. So. And I feel like you kind of slowed down a little bit. I did, yeah. especially at the end of the month. Um, and sometimes that's okay. Yeah, I am not going to apologize for it. Life is hectic. The past two weeks, I told Jordan, I was like, can, this week, can I take a people fast? Can I just, I just need like a minute just because I've been there every evening I've had something, which also hinders reading Introvert time. time. Yeah. You need it. So anyway, so that kind of explains, yeah. uh, it's a slower reading month in that I think I read five or six books instead of eight or nine books. Mm -hmm. And 
that's still a lot. Yeah, that's still fun. For the average person. That's right. Um, so let's start with when you started last month and finished this month. Yes. Um, the story of a new name, Elena Ferrante, second Neapolitan novel. Yes. Decided to read this on a whim. I mentioned I picked it up at Rainy Day Books mm -hmm. in St. Louis. Read it on the airplane. So glad I did. The first book I really think was good. I just didn't understand Ferrante fever. Mm -hmm. I just thought, yeah, this is good. Um, she does hook you and she, look, this must be the genius behind it. Like the last two pages so far of both of the books in this series that I've read, like leave you on a cliffhanger, mm -hmm. which I think might be kind of why there was Ferrante fever. Right. It's like the end of a season, mm -hmm. there being a cliffhanger, like Alias always had like this end of season cliffhanger. Um, so I think that's kind of why people are hooked on these. They read like classic novels. The story of a new name follows this, the friends in their, one of the friends, it's her early years of marriage, and then the other main character, really the protagonist, the narrator of the book, is continuing her education. And it's taking place in Naples in the 50s and 60s. Mm -hmm. um, if you did not enjoy the first book, the second one certainly moves along at a faster pace. Mm -hmm. So I thought there was a little bit more excitement, a little bit more plot movement in mm -hmm. book two. So if you're like me and felt meh about book one, try, try book, book two. two. And I think I'll keep reading these just when I feel like it. So I have no pressure or intense desire to read book three. Right. But I think I will next time I want to. Six months to yeah. a year. Yeah. And it's no big deal because she does do a really good job of introducing at the beginning kind of mm -hmm. what happened in the previous book. So anyway, if you are kind of ambivalent about Elena Ferrante like I was, try the story of a new name. It was really good. Excellent. Uh, the next one is one that I think you've been looking forward to for a while. You liked her other book. Yes. Uh, Ramona Blue by Julie Murphy. I loved Dumplin. Mm -hmm. It was one of my favorite books of whatever year it came out. I think it was last year, two, two? two, years, two ago. years ago. Yeah, um, it's excellent. If you haven't read it, it's a YA novel. But ignore if you're if you're anti YA for whatever reason, ignore that label. It's just a really good book. But Ramona Blue came out. You're the one who actually told me about it, yeah. and I did get very excited. And I, at first, wasn't sure I was going to like it as much as I like Dumplin. Mm -hmm. But as the plot progressed, it's it's um, takes place in new, not New Orleans, but Louisiana five years ago or six years ago, seven years ago was Hurricane Katrina. Uh -huh. So you kind of see this small community and this very small town and how they... I think it was 12 years ago. Oh God. Well, in this book. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I see. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> I think in this book, we're supposed to believe Katrina was like, gotcha. okay. I don't know, six or seven years prior to the events of this book. I think. <laughs> now it's been uh, earlier in this month. But anyway, Hurricane Katrina had an impact on this town and this community. What I like is that Julie Murphy really knows how to write about the South. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure where she's from. I Googled it because I was curious. Mm -hmm. um, and Louisiana, to me, is a totally different part of the South. It's a, it's a little weirder. It's its own thing. Yeah, it's yeah. for sure its own thing. But she writes really well about it, and she writes really well about small towns. Mm -hmm. So this girl really doesn't think she's going to be able to leave her small town. She kind of works at this restaurant. She's a waitress. She doesn't foresee a way out for her. Mm -hmm. um, I also, full disclosure, I have read, weirdly, a lot of books with gay male characters, mm -hmm. but I have not read a lot of books with lesbian characters. Yeah. And I thought... There's a dearth. Yeah. And so I thought this was a book that actually really wrote about a group of people that I don't normally read about mm -hmm. or that I haven't been able to find very many books about, truthfully. Right. So she writes about 
teenage love in a realistic way. These aren't romances where they ride off into the sunset. These are romances that are a little more realistic mm -hmm. and a little more nuanced. Yeah, complicated, yeah. like relationships are. Right. So anyway, what I'm saying is if you loved Dumplin', you'll love Ramona Blue. If you didn't love Dumplin', still read that one first because I do love that one. They're totally unconnected novels. Um, but Julie Murphy is very talented and good at her job. And what a refreshing thing to say because I feel like sometimes I read books by the same author where I'm like, right. mm, yeah. whatever. And I love John Green, mm -hmm. but I feel like a lot of John Green novels are the same mm -hmm. and have the same characters mm -hmm. and they have the same speech patterns. She is her own, Ramona Blue is her own character. Mm. And I also really loved that. That's great. Because I like John Green and I like the pattern of his novels, but I'm really impressed by Julie Murphy and her ability to create a very different protagonist who I still really was rooting for and really intrigued by. Yeah. So anyway, Ramona Blue, it's excellent, uh, especially if you live in a small southern town. That's super great. Uh, the next one is one that's a new release and it's getting a lot of buzz lately. It's The Essex Serpent. Is it finally getting buzz? Yes. Okay, Chris, this is so good. Good. It's one of my favorite books of the year. I want you to read it. Okay. It's so good. Um, Tell me about it, because I know literally nothing about okay, it. Okay, I bought it because the cover was pretty, uh -huh. and because I saw one person on Instagram talking about uh -huh. it, and I thought, okay, my turn. I'll read about it. I So the Booker long list was announced this week. Is um, this on it? It's not on it, Damn. but people were speculating that it might be. Okay. I was Like, as kind of the, like, crowd pleaser. Yes, because it still certainly has commercial appeal. Uh-huh. But it's literary. It's very British. Now, I don't know. You and I haven't done an episode about this. Maybe we should. But I feel like a lot of British literature moves at a slower pace than American literature. Okay. I could be wrong about that. But I feel like a lot of books that I read, even thrillers, just are a little less binge-worthy. Mm -hmm. To me, a lot of British books, and even... I'm thinking now the Elena Ferranti novels, which are Italian, they just move at a slower a different speed. Pace, yeah. yeah. Um, maybe I'm imagining that, but I think that's true. So the Essex Serpent takes place in 1893, already outside my genre. Mm -hmm. um, and it's in England. The a female protagonist is a naturalist and biologist, um, but obviously she's a woman in 1893. She's not right. a biologist, but she just loves the natural world. And her husband, who apparently, no spoilers, was very cruel to her, mm -hmm. has died. Okay. And so her friends are all rather relieved that she gets to live her own life now because her husband was very cruel to her. They have a son who is very quirky, probably in today's standards might perhaps be on the Asperger's mm -hmm. autism spectrum. Um, but it's 1893, so he just has particularities about him. Right. Um, but they move to the country in England, and she befriends a priest. And in this, um, in this country, this rural part of England, there is this rumor that a serpent, almost like a Loch Ness, Loch Ness monster mm -hmm. type figure, is lurking and wreaking havoc. And the priest is really trying to calm everybody down because he doesn't want... Uh, you know, a situation like the Salem Witch Trials back right, in the day or right, something, right. you know, uh, obviously timing here, but you know what I'm talking I about. I do. Like, he doesn't want hysteria uh -huh. to break out. And so he's kind of looking at it as, no, let's be calm and rational about this, which is intriguing to this naturalist who also agrees it's probably this new species I can discover. Um, but she's intrigued by this man of faith who has a lot of differing views from her. Um, the priest is married with a family and she just, the 
the other woman and her son kind of befriend this family. And the friendship between the priest and the female protagonist, the biologist, is so beautifully handled and written. And I, I've said this before on the podcast, I just want... I want nuanced characters in my reading, and I especially want nuanced people of faith. Yes. I feel like, especially now, perhaps perhaps because it's deserving, people of faith are painted in a very certain light. Mm-hmm. But most of the people I know are not like that. Right. They really are more nuanced and complicated. So, Sarah Perry, I believe is her name, the Essex Serpent, this friendship between a person of faith and a person of science is so well done. And it's just, it's so good. I can't say enough good things about it. It's slower paced, but very enjoyable. I wanted to highlight things. It's so good. That's great. Uh, just that concept of woman of science and man of faith is also It Devours. Oh. Um, the second Welcome to Night Vale novel that comes out in October, I think. Okay. Um, so that's interesting, too. Yeah. Um, the, Two big books of the year, kind of with that. Well, framework. maybe it's time. Like, it might be. It just, I don't it know. Very well might it's be. so it's so good. Apparently, the book came out in England last year and received a lot of praise, mm-hmm. but it's been published in America. The right. cover is gorgeous, and it reminds me one of the first books I hand sold in book at Bookshelf Midtown in Tallahassee was this book called Francis and Bernard, mm-hmm. which was a fictional. Um, what do you call a novel that's written in letters? Epistolary. Yes. Okay, it was that, but fictional Flannery O'Connor with apparently a fictional person who she really was friends with uh-huh. in real life. And it's, I just really like male and female friendship because we don't, we don't write or talk about that, especially right. if romance is involved on, like, either romance becomes involved when it shouldn't. Like, platonic relationships are possible. Are definitely possible and are great and wonderful and healthy, but then, like, fans hate them. Right! Fans want everybody to be together all the time, and I hate it. And I did want Harry and Sally to be together. I mean, sure. But they're wrong. Like, you can't... I do think men and women can be friends, and I like to see it written about in a really nuanced way. So, if you have not read Francis and Bernard, because that came out long time ago, ago, and it's, it's really good, but kind of the same types of themes are in The Essex Serpent... If you have read it, write me and tell me all about it so we can talk about it together. <laughs> it's so good. That's great. Um, another one kind of about faith in a weird way. Uh, yes. Priest Daddy, which we talked about on the last Love Below That. Yeah, I won't I won't spend too much time on this one because we dedicated a whole episode to it. But I did wind up loving Priest Daddy. Um, Emily, our cohort on Love It or Loathe It, hated it, uh-huh. and we did get an email response by somebody else who hated it, so I think this is a pretty divisive book. I'll be honest with you, I'd like your opinion. I didn't think of the cover as creepy at all, but I have heard so many comments about hating this cover, and it never occurred to me that, oh, I guess it is kind of a disturbing cover. It's, it's a little it's a little weird. Yeah, but yeah. I, I never thought about it. I just thought, I guess that's unique. Like... <laughs> I never, I just did not think if you about it. Listeners, if you haven't seen this cover, it's like a young girl's freckled chest. Yes. With a gold necklace on it that says Priest Daddy. And you right. can kind of see like the bottom of her face. Yes. Which I guess, okay, which I have a lot of bones to pick with covers lately. That is an interesting cover choice. It is. Because <clears throat> now that I look at it and that I know it bothered Emily and I know it bothered this other customer, I'm looking at it thinking, okay, it almost looks like we're going to be talking about pimping or yeah i thought it was gonna be some kind of like pedophilia yes or a priest who 
it gets in trouble for things that right. priests have done. Exactly. And so it's not about that. Um, at all. At all. Right. It's about her father, who I think, despite thinking opposite of him on almost everything, I think she truly does have a respect for him. Mm-hmm. She doesn't understand him. She doesn't claim to understand him. But I think clearly still loves her parents, who you know she very much disagrees with, but still loves and respects them. And Anyway, it's very poetic, and I did not like about the first half of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, if I hadn't had to finish because of Love It or Love It, I don't know if I would have. Um, but there's a story, an essay, probably halfway through that hooked me. And... I finally got used to the rhythm of her very poetic writing. And there are a couple of chapters I talked about um, on air on the other episode that I feel like are well worth your time. But admittedly, this is a pretty divisive book. Not everybody loved it. And that's why it's a perfect book for that other series that we do on our show. Way better than some of the others we've chosen lately. So Uh, so that's great. Uh, Let's talk about What We Lose, which is another one that... Yes. Which is another one that I'm pretty sure you really like. Yes, I did. Um, this one has gotten a ton of praise and advance notice. I think I even saw it featured on the Today Show. Mm-hmm. Um, Emma Straub may have mentioned mm-hmm. it as like her pick for the summer. Um, I got it as an ARC but did not read it until it was already out. Ashley, who's our staffer, is listening to it and I think mm-hmm. loves the audiobook version. So think about that if you're an audiobook listener. Basically, it's a story of a young woman whose mother passes away. Okay. And it's not a linear novel. Um, so, so it's almost difficult to describe. It's not like the aftermath of her mother's death. It's more back and forth, like dealing with her mother's illness and then mm-hmm. also dealing with her own life. Very much coming of age... Um, coming into adulthood, coming of age, um, about a mother-daughter, but also the relationship with the father. So um, in the book, she is the daughter of a South African mother and an American father. And the author, Zinzi Clemens, I believe is her name, yeah. She, that is her story. And so I'm very curious how much of this novel is autobiographical um, because it reads very personal Mm -hmm. like it reads the writing is incredible so the hype that you're hearing about this book is really deserved um i know people who have read it even if they're not literary readers acknowledge this is well worth your time um it's a novel about grief you and i love those um but it's also just a novel honestly a little bit about womanhood and there's some feminist undertones just really liked it certainly for fans of the mothers okay so if you liked the mothers this is for you this one's for you yeah it's really good and the cover is gorgeous the cover is beautiful the cover is uh, so pretty i do recall that there's another one that you another one. started and yeah. did not finish and are not going to finish yeah i just want to reference real quickly so i started after what we lose it is rather heavy mm-hmm. and so i and I really wanted something mindless, and I wanted just a palate cleanser. Something light. Yeah, so um, I told you last Saturday, yep. I was like, I'm taking this one home. It mm-hmm. looks funny. It's The cover is funny. I read the jacket blurb, and I thought, yeah, this looks funny. Yeah, and the title is hilarious to me. It's called The People We Hate at the Wedding. I love dysfunctional families. I love reading books that take place during reunions mm-hmm. or weddings. I love movies that do that. Mm-hmm. Big chill, like, give it to me. Like, I love it all. Okay, I did not love this book, and I was 150 pages in, dreading reading it, like not reading it, watching TV instead of reading it, like choosing other things so I wouldn't have to read Uh it. It's just not, 
it just wasn't for me. But I don't, I think I could be alone in that. Like, I think there are going to be some people who really like it. So I always want to be really careful when I don't like a book. Mm -hmm. I don't want that to prevent readers or listeners from reading those books. This one just didn't do it for me. And I, I always persevere. Like, I'm always willing to like, I got to finish this. I'm a finisher. I'm a closer. Uh, but I, I got some advice from some people on Instagram some really wonderful advice, actually. Um, somebody said that their mother suggests subtracting 30 pages, I mean, subtracting your age from 100. So, for example, I'd subtract 31, and that's how many pages you give it, because mm-hmm. life's too short to read bad books. I thought that was really <laughs> cute. Somebody else said she keeps a list of books she doesn't finish, so that one day if she wants to go back, mm-hmm. she can read them, and she leaves what page number she left off on. Oh, that's And great. I thought that was really great. So I got some really good feedback and advice. A lot of people suggested skimming to the end, And that's when I knew to give up because I didn't even care to skim to find out. So I gave up on this one, but I'd love to know if other, if other people liked it, I'd really like to know. Um, and you can tell me what happens because, because I guess I'm curious. I I mean, not really, not really not super curious. Mm. So anyway, what'd you read? Um, I read, what's it called? The end we start from. Yes. Okay. You read this last month Mm -hmm. and told me to read it and it is very short and I read it in just a couple short sittings, um, about half of it while I was at the beach one day. Oh, good. Um, it was great. Uh, and it is kind of, it's hard to say when it takes place, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, it's hard to say a whole lot about it because it's so fragmentary. It's so um, personal. Yes. Um, nobody has names. Mm-mm. It's all just kind of narration, but fragmented narration, very poetic, yeah. beautiful, lyrical. Um, in London and then around the UK, after some kind of cataclysmic flooding event. Mm-hmm. And we don't know anything else because yeah. that's not what's important. No. That's kind of the set dressing. Yeah. And the whole thing is about this woman and her child, mm-hmm. her baby. Um, and she's trying to survive and she and her husband are trying to figure things out and she is trying to work together with some of these women that she meets at these like kind of shelters, these camps, yeah. these like... Almost refugee Almost camps. Almost refugee camps is what they feel like. Yeah. Um, it's gorgeous. Isn't it? It's so good. Oh, I'm so glad you liked it. But it's so short. It's so short. I wanted more, but also I really didn't. Okay, that's the thing. Like, you want more selfishly. Yeah. But the but book doesn't the need book it. The book doesn't need it. The book it. is whole and complete oh, and so beautiful. Good. I'm so um, glad you liked it. Yeah, no, I thought, I it, get thought it was wonderful. <laughs> when I hype a book so much. Um, and I think somebody like me might think, oh, well, I don't know if I'm going to like a book that's poetic or that yeah. um, or that doesn't have character names. Like, will I become right. attached? Yes. You'll become attached. You will very you much become names. attached. Uh, um, I mean, because they have letters. Yes. Um, but then, like, each... You'll have, like, nine sections in a two-page spread, and they're each only three to three to seven sentences long. It's so... It's, um, to me, it's very easy to it's read. It's very easy to read, and I think worth a reread. Yes. I'm curious about oh, that. I'm sure that. you could... I am sure you could go back and almost feel like you're reading a different book just yeah. because it's so short mm-hmm. that it certainly probably would stand to go back and read it again. Um, I think could it would probably, fit on my fall syllabus. And you could probably, I was about to say, it's a mother-son story, mm-hmm. and you could probably go back and pick up on things you yeah. didn't the first reading. My only issue is it comes out like halfway through the semester. I, I think know. it comes out in October. Perhaps shelf subscription? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a conflict of interest if I make my students buy it from the bookshelf, but... But... I could I, talk to them about it and give it as like a, if there are other books you're interested in, I think you could, as I was going to say, supplemental <coughs> reading Absolutely. if people are interested. But. Um, it's super good though. Highly recommend, but it is, I don't think it's for everybody. 
No, probably not. Um, if you're looking for something very straightforward, if you're looking for something light. Yeah, this isn't that. It's not light, but it's also not. It's not so heavy that like, like I know, for example, some women in my book club had a really hard time with home going. Mm-hmm. Like there are some things that were are really tough to read about that book. Right. I don't think no, there's I don't think anything like that. Nothing bad no. happens. I mean it's just a it's just a flood that wipes out <laughs> an entire population. But like <laughs> that's hardly even addressed, right? Yeah. It's just like you know that there is water rising and that these people had to leave their home and that's really about it. I mean I hate to say it and you know what I'm gonna say, but like it's similar to Station Eleven sure. that vibe. Yeah. Like yeah. it's it's not about the event at all. Except the Station Eleven really describes its event in detail. Yes, but that book is not about that event. I no. couldn't even t- I couldn't even tell you about that. Like all I can tell you about is the characters and what happened to them. The fallout. That, yeah. yeah. No, it is. And it's about people surviving yes. after something bad, uh, which is always out in October, right? I think out in October. I really was hinting. It might be a short. I don't remember. But it, it comes out this fall, either way. It comes out this fall. Gorgeous cover. One of us will have it in our yeah. subscriptions. Um, I also started and have not yet finished Rabbit Cake. Oh, what'd you think? Um, I love what it so far. Um, I'm going to finish it. I'm going to teach it in the fall, I'm pretty sure. Um, I just have been so busy. Yes, I um, understand. Grading and trying to write this dissertation that like I have not made time for it in a couple weeks. But... The hundred or so pages that I've read, I think are wonderful. I'm good. very excited to keep going. Good. Oh, I'm so glad. I can't say enough good things about that book. We probably need to restock it, actually. Yeah, we probably do. Yeah. Um, so I'll do that um, as soon as we're done recording. <laughs> awesome. We'll place an order for the week. <laughs> Great. Um, yeah. So that's what we read in July. Yep. I- I'm happy with it. Yeah. August is my least favorite month of the year, so I'm hoping to have some really good reading to make up for yes. the fact that it is... We will get you out of this rut. Yeah. We will find you something. Yeah, it's time. It's time because it's so, it's hot as inappropriate male anatomy. It's so hot. (laughs) It's so hot. Oh, I know. (laughs) I I know. It's very hot. Has your door swollen shut yet? Uh, Yeah, it has. Thanks for asking. Excellent. (laughs) All right. So I want to know if you have read any of these. Um, We would love to hear from you. Chris especially would love to hear from you. Inventory at bookshelfthomasville.com. You can find full episodes of From the Front Porch on iTunes, on our store website, or on Stitcher. And um, our store website store is bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. And you should also be following us on social media, on Instagram and on Twitter. We are at Bookshelf T-Phil. We've always got some fun stuff happening behind the scenes. You can know about new books coming out, new events coming up, and just kind of watch us make fools of ourselves. Oh gosh, I do all the time. Yeah. (laughs) You weren't supposed to agree. Wow. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week.